ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Presented by Zadok Jewelers. KFNC and KFNC HD2 Mont Bellevue, Houston. This is Moneyline. This is This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Yeah, we made it. You just talk. If they hate it, you know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Lights, camera, action. Hello, world! Welcome in. This is Moneyline on a Sunday morning, and nothing has changed right here because that's the statistician, that's my partner in crime, that's at Josh Jordan 97.5 on Twitter, Josh Jordan. Man, Jerry, we got football to talk about. Can you smell that? Can you smell that football in the air? It is that time of year, my man. Texans, they look unstoppable. They look unstoppable. And hopefully I can bring you some winners throughout this show. Hopefully we'll get you some great fantasy tips. My name is just Jerry Bonos with an S on Twitter, and I'm still with an S. I'm still in Twitter jail. Hey, let's get to the man behind the glass, keeping us in line for the next few hours. Aaron Raywood, what's happening, my man? What's up, boys? Good morning. Yeah. Hey, look at us getting the all-star producer from the bench on this little weekend show. I got to come with it. Every time <laughs> I see him on the on the, on the the schedule, I say, you know what? I got to bring my A game. And that's what we're going to bring. And so will you. If you want to jump in on this show, 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975 on Twitter. If you got anything, get off your chest. Any uh, Any upcoming drafts that you want some tips from because... We just had our first one of the season live draft with the Moneyliners. Shout out to everyone listening that came out to Reverie on Richmond on Friday. Oh, man, we had a blast. It's so cool, you know, seeing the listeners. And, you know, we do the fantasy drafts every year. I think we did like five leagues last year. But, you know, with the the pandemic and everything, it's nice to actually get out with the people, do a real fantasy draft in person, not just – and these little computer Zoom meetings and stuff like that, man. So it was a blast. Thanks for everybody for coming out. Revel, you know, in Richmond. Man, it was just it was an awesome event. I love that bar. I've been there many times. We, we had a great time. And we're going to break down our fantasy teams because Jerry and I both came away really liking the way our teams turned out. But we also drafted in the same area. Uh, it was a 10-team league. Jerry picked ninth and I picked 10th. So a little later in the show, we'll go through, you know, who we took, why we took at that specific point in the draft, because it's draft season, man. I've got I've got a bunch of them next week. Is it's, it season it's, or sizzling? <laughs> sizzling. It's, it's, it'll be sizzling, I'll tell you that, man. But, I mean, there's no more messing around. we we got to get to these fantasy drafts. We'll get through the divisions, too. There's gambling plays to be made. There's plenty of football to talk to. We're not, we're not going to focus on what Deshaun ate for breakfast. <laughs> we're not going to do any of that. You know how we do it here every single Sunday, especially as we get closer to football. We're going to talk just that football around the league. We're going to talk about the running back committees on every, on every team. I mean, we're going to hit it from every angle, and so can you, 713-780-3776. Before we get to that football, though, it's been a while since we spoke to you guys. We took the week off because we didn't want to talk about how Astro, how bad the Astros were, right? <laughs> That's true. But now we're back, and good times are back. I mean, yeah, the man. bats are hot. They are crushing the baseball right now. We're still waiting on Breggy to come back, so that, that'll be nice when he comes back. But, man, Diaz has been fantastic. 
I mean, we worried about them for a few days, you know, a couple bumps in the road, but they've been back in fashion, just crushing the baseball against the Mariners the last couple of days. They're using the phrase, taking the long view, as far as Bregman, which I'm okay with that, especially yeah. if you if you find fool's gold, and I'm not going to say fool's gold, but if you're finding diamonds in somewhat the rough, and Diaz, and, and, and a guy that can play multiple positions, this is... When when the unexpected pans out like this, then you can go ahead and say, "Breakman, just take a few yeah. more days." Now, let's talk about that little that little cold streak. And it is baseball; it's a lot of games. But for a while there, you started getting that that nasty feeling in your stomach, saying, "Is this what could it, what it could be? If if is this what it could be when it gets to playoff baseball?" And then now they snapped out of it. But I think it's I think it's 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 good. Not exa- I mean, obviously not good to to get for your bats to get cold and whatnot and lose those games. How it was happening over what like a 10, 12 day period, however it was. Yeah. But I still think it's good for the nature of the team to to. It's a balance. It's a long season. This isn't a this isn't football. No. You know what I mean? This isn't a short seventeen week season and and you gotta you know you don't have a uh, you don't have time to have a gap of like that in football. A gap sets you back in baseball. It's like. They had such a lead. I believe it's three and a half games still. That's good. You'll take it. And this is who they've been the whole season. Uh, you know, they we saw them get you know swept by the Orioles early in the year and and losing to the, to the Rangers. You know, they've struggled with teams that that aren't very good this year. That that's just kind of been who they who they are. But they also play great against the good teams. So so you take the good with the bad. You know, losing three out of four to the Royals, not what you hope, but but. They did come out and show you something, what you did want to see. They come back home, they play the Mariners, and the first game back, they score 12 runs, and then the next game back, they, they score 15. So, you know, that that's what you want to see. They're bouncing back. 27-4 to four is what they're outscoring them in the last few games. But, again, let's not overreact. We always talk about that word, overreaction, not too high, too low. What happens if they didn't have this little breakout these two games? What if it, it would have been like one and one they went these two are we still freaking out how Astros fan was freaking out during this midweek last week? You know, things change real quick they whenever do. you're throwing up 15 runs, whenever you're scoring uh, the first five out of this uh, first six innings in both games. Yeah, you're off to – you even got a little – you even got a little greedy. You Whenever they didn't score one of the innings throughout these little routes, you're like, man, come on, get on the ball. Yeah. You got greedy. You even got a little spoiled. But now it's like, man, let's not overreact. We know that it's not going to be routes like this. I mean, they're out hitting 32-11. Yeah. No. It's not always going to be like that, but it feels damn good. It does. Baseball is such a long season, man, because there's still, you know, the five or six weeks left in the regular season. So, you know, we did a, a video on Sports Map the other day talking about Bregman and when they should bring him back. And my opinion was like, man, I, I wouldn't bring him back until like mid-September. And, you know, just to give him a couple weeks of regular season baseball and then get him into the playoffs. And the reason I say that is if he has another setback, you might lose him for the whole playoffs. Like, you can't screw around and and have Bregman have another setback. And I know Diaz has done a great job, you know, filling in for him. But you know Alex Bregman, when he's right, he can swing a series. You know, he's an MVP-type player when when he's hot. So you got to be careful with him. Make sure he's ready for the playoffs. How do you feel as far as just the sport in baseball being the time off as to other sports? You know, like in football, for example, going into the playoffs, some whenever they have the a playoff spot already solidified, they say, you know, let's sit them out, and then they'll blame it off for too much time off because they had a bye week, whatever. Yeah. In baseball, how do you say that? Because uh, how, how do you deal with that? Because they are still seeing, you know, they're still hitting on, on the lower level 
right? They're still getting prepped. He's still prepping as it goes, but he's still not seeing major league arms. And that's why I want to bring him back two weeks before the postseason. Two weeks. Yeah, give him two weeks. If he comes back, say, September 15th, something like that, I think the Astros will get him back sooner. This is just my opinion. I, I just I wouldn't want to risk him re-injuring something because I, I don't want to lose him for the playoffs. But give him two weeks of major league pitching and then start the playoffs. You know, Granado and I were talking about this, and John was like, well, Bregman's notoriously a slow starter. So, you know, if you only give him two weeks to come back, you know, maybe he's not, you know, really his – his full self when the playoffs start. But I also pointed out this was the one year Bregman actually started hot. You know, this was the outlier this year. Bregman started the season hot. It was Correa that started the season really slow. So it's hard to know if that, you know, if that's going to be the same thing this time around, is he going to be slow to start coming back from injury? Cause he starts a lot of seasons slow. I don't know if there's any, any way to know that. So I'm just like, give him two weeks of major league pitching to your point, And then let's go. Say Diaz isn't what he's been, or say that the little streak of coldness continued and they wouldn't have had this breakout. Do you think they accelerate the the timetable on Bregman? That's interesting. You know, they may have had to, but I just feel like Click is being very careful with this. And remember with Bregman, he was having leg issues before the quad pool. You remember they're arresting him for hamstrings and stuff like that early in the season. Bregman said he put like 20 pounds of muscle on and it was a lot of leg workouts in the off season. And then what happened? He's had leg issues all season. I, we always talk about that in fantasy football, right? When some receiver or running back puts on 20 pounds of muscle, I'm always worried. You know, I'm like, is he going to be as fast as he used to be? Like when they tinker with their bodies like that, you wonder if, if it'll mess with something else. And we've seen it this year. Bregman has, has struggled to stay healthy. Now let's talk on the other end because we say let's not get too high or too low. But there ha- something has to be said about Graveman here. And we yeah. always talk about the word trust, how it's hard to build that, not even in sports, just in your everyday life and your relationships, just whatever, with work, whatever it is. Do you trust this person? It's strong. It's, it, it has to be a strong relationship to get there. Aaron, have you developed that trust with Kendall Graveman from what he's shown you thus far? So far, I trust him for what he's doing. I need him to be that eighth inning setup guy every now and then when they have to stretch him, you know, five outs just in case because, you know, somebody can't handle it in the seventh. I trust him to do it, but at the same time, I want to, like, every time you have to call on him for five outs, you need to be giving him time off because you don't want to wear out his arm going into the postseason and go, hey, you know, you're normally you were having to do three outs, you know, four times a week, that you know, 12 outs a week, but we had to overwork you. You were we were throwing twenty. That's not going to be good if you get into the postseason. And back to the Bregman thing, real quick, because uh, John Heyman lit the world on fire last night. Astros Twitter lost their damn minds because he had tweeted out, "Well, Alex Bregman's going to be activated soon. It could be Sunday or Monday that he's playing with the Astros." And then, of course, local media like Allison Footer was like, "Hold up, he's still scheduled in Sugarland on Sunday. He's not playing Sunday. Monday at the earliest." But let's temper these expectations of, "Oh man." Today, Sunday, Alex Bregman's going to be back in Minute Maid Park. No, he's still down in Sugarland. So if you want to go see him play, you can go out to Sugarland and watch him. Yeah. But and it's a cheaper ticket. Yeah, yeah. Go check out the a little speakers. bit hotter. But yeah, a little bit hotter for sure. Definitely Over reaction theater. That's what you get as soon as someone puts out something like that. Everything just blew up. I saw that as well. But you see, they're taking time, and he keeps using caution. He keeps saying, "Man, this is a tough injury to come back from. We want to be sure." Yeah. He he's also said though in the past that he feels like he's ready. But right now, hey, I'm cool with taking time. 
I am too. And keep in mind, to Aaron's point, like he hasn't been playing, you know, really much for the Skeeters. Like this is just him coming back and starting to play. He's just been running. So I would find it hard to believe that he's going to not hit for the Skeeters a little bit before he comes back to the Astros. You know what I mean? That just, and by the way, he wasn't hitting very well for the Skeeters before they shut him down. Like, you know, he was struggling. I think he only had a couple, couple hits and over 20 something at bats. So you want to feel like Bregman looks like Bregman when you put him back in your lineup. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let us know how you feel about Bregman coming back. Would you rather wait? Would you rather do uh, like how the Cowboys that that strategy where they said we'd rather later than sooner? Yeah, you never you you hardly ever hear it in that direction, but that's what they're using. Would you rather take that approach? But just to kind of put a bow on what I was talking about, Graveman. What if I told you, man, we're almost coming up on on a month since everything was done. The bullpen went from a 4.15 to a 2.47. That's the second best in the in the majors. So, uh, that, that, He's for, made a huge How difference. long did we say, man, this is the only thing that, that's struggling? we, we got to have someone on the back end to trust. We trust no one. Seven-run leads are no longer safe. We were even saying that. You're standing, you're sitting there with a 5-4 run lead, whatever it is, late in the game, and then as soon as one guy gets on base, you start sweating. You know what I mean? You, st- you stand up and watch the rest of the game like, here we go. That's what you start thinking about, and, and that's what I say, man. At least for right now, I don't want to say that I trust him so much, but I'm developing a good relationship. Oh, dude, he, he throws gas. He's, I mean, just he's only given up one run since he joined the team, man. So I have all the trust in the world in Grayman, and use him. I mean, he's, he's a rental. He's a free agent after this year. So use him as much as you need him for this playoff run. Hopefully you develop some trust because I'm going to give you a bet to place, right? Uh, kickoff at 1030. I'm going to give you that when we get back. You're listening to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Years of research and innovation. Innovation Map is the new voice of innovation in Houston. Pretty cool, huh, Morty? Covering startups, tech, energy, health, social impact, and more. Visit innovationmap.com today. Do it now. Do it. Do it. Do it now. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. What up, Twitch world? Virginia Buttonweed's in the house. We got Total Dallas, the general, Alex Villanueva, Titan Hugo. I know you're uh, you're anxious, I guess, to see this football season kick off. So am I, because I want to know what the division holds for these Houston Texans, not that I'm so much of a of a Houston Texans fan, but I have a ticket that says under on the uh, win total. Welcome back to Moneyline 713-780-3776. Appreciate everyone checking in on Twitter uh, or on Twitch. I'm sorry. Uh, La Raza's in the house. Always good to see La Raza. Again, if you're not hanging out, twitch.tv backslash ESPN 97.5 coming out. It's a little community we've built to kick it on a Sunday morning. We're going to get you ready for everything that is football because – it's it's close. It's on the horizon. I can smell it. I can smell the bad beats coming, Josh, but I'm ready for it. I'm game. Man, I could smell the bad quarterback play coming from Garrett Gilbert last night. Oh, my God, did he look terrible. Let's start right there. <laughs> Let's start right there with that game. Did you learn anything? I, I'm a – man, I, I tried not to watch too much preseason football. I'd rather read it if that makes sense. People say, why? Because I want to know just the, the box scores – how many snaps they got. I don't want the, the eye test to tell me too much that maybe skews my thoughts later on during the season, if that makes sense, because the eye test will tell you something that 
you know, that Wilson is the, you know, the Jets quarterback. Wilson is the, is the next Joe Montana. I got to see more. Some of these guys aren't even going up against starters. So I got to see more. But in the, in, in, in the position that the Texans are particularly in, where there's a lot of question marks, you at least want to see guys go out there. And you always, always expect with a, with a team, with a new coach, and a new regime, basically, just a, a new flavor in town, everything that's happening, you expect effort. And they're at least given that. And they're turning the ball over, man. That was the thing that killed the Texans last year. They could not get any turnovers. I mean, that defense, they couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't turn the ball over. So far, Levy Smith, man, these guys are – look at Lonnie Johnson making plays with a pick six. I mean, this is – I am very happy to see – I'm I'm cautious, but I feel like the defense will be better. The defensive line will be better. I saw a lot more pressure. Switch into the 4-3, I think – I think it's a good idea because guys don't have to think too much. Their assignments are pretty simple. They can just get after the quarterback, make plays. And I'm liking what I'm seeing from the defense, man. I I know you have the, an under ticket on the Texans. I, I'm guessing, is it under four and a half, something four like that? Four and a half. I even hit it at a four again at, at plus money. I'm hitting them every which way. Now, the only thing that sucks about that bet is that first game of the season, yeah. it has so much implications on if they happen to win that game, which they very well could. Then you're you're sweating the rest of the entire yeah. season. But that's how bad I think, and that's why I ask whenever we say, "Yeah, they've gotten better." What is it from P from P's to green being better? You know, when you, or vice versa. It depends which one you dislike the most. Because at this point, it's like they were that bad at one at some points last season, and 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 their offenses didn't take a step forward. They're obviously going to take a step back. I mean, you say how much of a step back for a four win team? They're still if they had Watson and they were a four win team, where are they now? So my thing is that defense is going to put, get put in a lot of bad predicaments, and, and and that's just bad for a team that's not you know they're not all that great. If they, if they're in a game script where it fits their narrative and they're not playing against the best guys, then yeah, very well they're going to take the ball. I mean, last year I think they had nine takeaways. They already have seven. Yeah. Uh, they're being aggressive. That goes to show you aggressiveness is the plot. Let's get out there. Let's be aggressive. Let's make plays. Yeah, be aggressive now, but that's going to kill you later on. Aggressiveness, is, if you try to make up for skill, sometimes it's going to bite you. Yeah, it is. But I'm, they had to change it up. And the thing I like is, you know how there's all those stats about how Wade Phillips, when he takes over a defense that first year, it's incredible. Yeah. But then after, like the season after that, people kind of figure Here out what he's Dallas, doing. You've yes. seen him many times. I almost wonder if we might see something like that with Lovey Smith installing this new defense. Like this year, they take a big step forward. And it's also because other teams, when you're preparing for the Texans, you haven't seen them with these players running Lovey Smith's defense, right? You know, so there's going to be some stuff where teams, they have to kind of see what you're doing and figure it out as the year goes along. I, I think anytime you have a new defensive coordinator, you have an advantage at the beginning of the season because there's no tape of what you're going to do with these specific players. But I, I think that runs out eventually. But I like what I'm seeing, man. The defense is playing better. I think you're right. On offense, it's going to be a struggle. But I like what I'm seeing from the running game. I don't think if you're just like, yeah, Mark Ingram's my my bell cow running back, I don't think you're going to have a great running game. But when you put him with Phillip Lindsay and you put him with David Johnson and, and you mix these guys up so that there's always a guy that's not tired out on the field and, and they have different skill sets. So I think the running game will be better. Did you notice they had Titus Howard at, at guard? And they're, they're putting Charlie Heck at, at tackle. So I think we're going to see Sharping and, and Titus Howard at guard. And then you're going to have Tunsil and, and maybe Charlie Heck. We'll see what happens with Marcus Cannon. But I think the interior of that offensive line is going to be better. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit, Jerry. 
Mills came out and said he thanked the uh, Cowboys for blitzing him. Yeah. He says that it kind of settles you in the game a little while you are getting hit early, unfortunately. Uh, you don't want to get hit as a quarterback. I think our offensive line and running backs did a good job in protection tonight. And I'm, I just can't overreact to this. I, in this in this situation, you want to see Mills out there. I mean, what do you want to do? See 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 Taylor out there, someone that you already pretty much know what he's going to be. It's it's not the best, it's not the worst. It's someone that's going to manage. He's, he he will do some things that sometimes he can't use his legs. He's had success at times, but you know what it is with Davis Mills. You at least say, well, let's let's see what you got. Yeah. So at least like on that aspect. But now when you talk about the defense, you talk about Lonnie Johnson, for example, the the pick six. Let's talk about on the other side. What's going on with the Cowboys, uh, uh, let's say, quarterback room? Because there's so many contradictions going around. Some people saying, yeah, man, it's going to be all right. He's just, we're being so precautious with Dak. Other, other people saying, man, there's something to this. Adam Schefter drops uh, somewhat of a little bomb. And the way it's all about wording in today's social media society, he comes out and he says that he doesn't think that, Dak will be 100% the entire season. Yeah, it's a lap pull, right? And I think that he's just going to have to manage it. They're saying, so now you're going to start figuring what's going on here. So many are thinking that whenever you come off an injury that he, like he did, something so drastic. I mean, that was a drastic. Think back about when that happened, how you felt whenever you saw it. You turned your head and yeah. you, you look back like, oh, I hope he's all right. <laughs> You, to think that he's even playing or, or going to play right now, that at that time, that was far-fetched. You didn't yeah. know. So what happens now going forward with a guy that maybe doesn't trust his, his th- that injury getting healed right? Like, it's all a mental game. So now they're saying he might be overcompensating with that arm. And then they said he, he felt a little sore. If there was nothing to worry about, then why are they taking so much precautions? Jerry Jones comes out and says that he made all the necessary throws pregame and that he's going to be there. If the, if the season kicked off yesterday, he would have been in the lineup. I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of smoke screens going on, and I'm going to tell you where. We can have we can sit here and argue about this. Dallas fan could call in, and he can argue with us. You know who you don't argue with is the Vegas books, and that line has went from six and a half to eight. after that eight now you say man is this overreaction to move in football there's two there's four key numbers the the biggest four that's that three and that seven then they go then you can go to the to the sixes and the tens and the fours of the world if you pass that seven then it's got to be some big money not joe schmo that that watch Schefter and he's gonna go bet his 150 dollars moves that line like that that's some heavy action and if there's that much heavy action I think that people are saying, man, there might be a, a, a way that he's not in there for week one. And when that's announced, that thing's going to bounce to about 10 points. Oh, man. And if you got a look at their quarterbacks that weren't Dak Prescott last night, man, that was ugly. So I could definitely see that being the case. And that line you're talking about is Bucks Cowboys week one of the regular season, right? You know, they're playing Tom Brady. You said it's up to eight points now? Oh, man. Eight. The, you crossed that seven. And usually when you get the, the, the hard knocks and the team that, that usually people are, they become a public favorite and everyone starts messing with them. I mean, and it's the Cowboys. They're already a favorite. Yeah. Something smells funny. It, remember, Michael Irvin came out and said he was concerned, you know, with Dak. And, and I believe it's his right ankle, the one that got injured, the one he pushes off with. So that makes sense that maybe he was pushing with his arm a little bit to overcompensating and, then, and that that lat kind of pulled on him. So that makes some sense. You know, we didn't see Zeke Elliott last night either. That didn't really surprise me. You know, uh, Pollard looked good. He broke off some good runs, man. But 
it'll be interesting to see you know what happens here with the Cowboys. I did want to ask you this. With uh, you, t- you talked about the Jacksonville game for the Texans being really important for getting your under. You know, the Texans play the Bucks next week, their final preseason game. So they go to Green Bay. They look good. They handle the Packers. They they go to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. If they go and play the Bucks, I don't know if that game's here or there, but either way, they're going to play the Bucks in that last game. And I know a lot of the starters probably won't play. I get all that, but I'm just saying. For the Texans' confidence, if they come out and they show good against the Super Bowl champs against the Bucs, so then every preseason game they look good, they were competitive, and then they take that confidence and play Jacksonville at home week one, it wouldn't surprise me if they screw up and win that game. You know what I mean? Like, no, it, you're right. It builds confidence for sure. It, it, it has to build some kind of confidence. Winning brings that. Yeah. But just, man, I'm more scared. What what version of these teams? What version of the Packers? That was the Slackers out yeah. there. That wasn't even the Packers. You know what? What Cowboy? That was the Cow Kids. The Bucks. You're gonna get the the sucks because they didn't even start any of the starters last last the, the, their their second game. So what version are we getting of these guys? So yeah, it's good. Let's think about the 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 only the the, the, the Detroit Lions that year that they went winless. They went undefeated in, in the, the preseason. preseason. They did. And, and look, that's all legit. My biggest thing with the Texans this year is when I'm watching them on the field, whether it's the backups, the starters, going against whoever, do they look like they belong? Do they look like they're competitive? Competitive, And and to me, they look way more competitive now than they did last year. Just everything around Deshaun, the defense was just so bad. And I know you pointed out they only won four games with Deshaun, but remember how many games they blew? You know, like I remember the Tennessee game where they had the bad snap, and, you know, that cost them a game. The Texans were in a lot of those games at the very end. It just went south on them. So I think the roster is going to be better this year, but obviously the quarterback play is not going to be nearly the same. Give me your thoughts if you're out there listening, Moneyliners. What – do you think about the Texans? Are you uh, are you hyped up about them? I hate to even use that word. Are you being cautious? Whatever it is, let us know. The phone lines are open for you. 713-780-3776. It's Moneyline on a Sunday morning. ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back. That's Josh Jordan. That's the best co-host in the world. Behind the glass, I don't even need to hype him up. You hear him every single day here on this station. And he's the best producer I know. He's your favorite producer. He, that's his favorite producer. He has to call him up. And this is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. Nothing changes the way we do things here. We're trying to bring you sports. We try to bring you winners. I'm a little late. I got caught out on uh, on Twitch. They said, what about that 1030 winner? Live betting. Luckily, my bookie, if you run over there right now, they're going to say, what do you want to do? We're open for whatever. You're going to hit Chelsea right now. Look, they're, they're, they're playing right now. Someone just got hit in the Chelsea versus Arsenal. Chelsea money line. That's the bet. Someone's on the ground right now. So that gets you a good two or three minutes of, uh, of time to get that live bet in. Chelsea money line. Not a big bet. On a one to five scale, I said a little two. Just a little something to, to wet your beak. But for us right here, let's get into some more football, man. Um, we talked about the Cowboys. What happens with Dak? Uh, you seem to be agreeing. Maybe that uh, makes a little sense, right? He over, overcompensates for, for for not trusting the injury from last season, and all of a sudden you got this little injury. 
do you think if you had to bet right now, do you think that he's going to be out for game one or for week one? Oof. I don't, but I, that doesn't mean I think he'll be ready. I just think he's going to play. You know, I, man, he's going against Tom Brady the first game of the season, you know, to kick off the season, coming off a terrible injury. I think Dak's going to try and play, man. I, I don't know if he'll be 100%. We did see a lot of the starters for the Cowboys play. Dak wasn't out there, but we saw C.D. Lamb, and we saw the, their offensive linemen. Zeke didn't play, but a lot of their other guys did. So, yeah, I think... You know, and remember, the Cowboys did the Hall of Fame game, so their preseason's a, a little different than some of the other teams that, since they started a week early. But I think Dak will be out there, but I, I think I agree with Vegas. I think Tom Brady's going to cruise to victory week one. Double-digit victory like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I met nine or ten points, I would guess. I just, man, it, it, Tom in those types of situations, man, like I'm not betting against him. Well, let's talk about tears because it is fantasy season, season, however you want to say it for all the hipsters. Dak Prescott, we talk about tears. Usually as far as quarterbacks, I don't know if you have Mahomes and Allen and both in the same tiers, Mahomes on his own. Does Allen's legs, the ability to, to be able to run in touchdowns, does that put him in the same tier as Mahomes? For me, no, but right under it. To me, Mahomes is kind of in his own little tier. Okay, and I agree. So then you got Allen. Do you bunch Allen with the Kyler Murrays and Lamar Jackson to the world? Is Kyler Murray up there, or is Jackson and Allen pretty much in that little tier on their own? Maybe Russell Wilson, or do you have him a step below? Is it not let Russ cook season? To me, I think it's Allen, and then Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak, Russell Wilson. Those guys are all in the same tier for me. When we did our fantasy draft the other day out at Revelry, the last guy on that tier was Russell Wilson, and that's when I grabbed him. That's kind of my strategy at quarterback. I don't target a specific player. I just I, I want a guy from a tier, and that tier are these guys that can help you with their legs. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, those guys can get you some points with rushing yards. And you know how it is, man, in, in the NFL and in fantasy now you got to get those points from rushing yards. They make a huge difference. They make they make the floor of what your quarterback can do so much higher as far as he's going to get you at least this many points because he runs a little bit. So that's why, you know, some of these other guys, you know, like Brady and and Aaron Rodgers and Stafford, I'm not nearly as high on them because they're not going to run very much. Let me ask you about Russell Wilson. Let's start right there because that's a guy that could easily, at the end of the year, if you find him as being the top scorer for quarterbacks, you wouldn't even be that surprised. It wouldn't nope. be like, oh, my gosh. It'd be like, why did I miss my shot on him? Which Russell Wilson do we get this season now that he has a new offensive coordinator, Schottenheimer's gone? The If you look at the first five, six games of last season, he was great. He, he was an MVP candidate. He yep. was great. It, they were using the hashtag, let Russ cook. Then all of a sudden, they started running the ball after the, a supposed meeting. Remember, there was a meeting behind closed doors. A lot of things came out of that. Mm-hmm. Rust voices displeasure for uh, Pete Carroll's son that had too much voice in things. We heard that in the offseason. In the offseason, imagine an offseason with Russell Wilson that, I mean, I don't want to be traded, but if I was going to be traded, it would be these four teams. Whenever you think Russell Wilson's even involved in those conversations, something went wrong. Yeah. I thought he was a, a lifelong Seahawk. Where do you think he ends up, not just because where you drafted him, obviously, because you had so much upside right there. You can't, honestly, right now, if you were betting, is he a top three quarterback as far as fantasy points at the end of the season? I think he'll be top five, and I think I got him in like the sixth round, sixth or seventh round. 
And to me, that that's good value. And you're right. When he started the season against Atlanta, four touchdowns. Against New England, five touchdowns. Against Dallas, five touchdowns. What happened? I mean, I just think, I think as the season went along, he got a little banged up. Maybe maybe there was something to them getting a new offensive coordinator. Maybe they got a little bit predictable. But at the end of the year, he had some tough matchups. You know, he went against Washington football team in week 15, only 121 passing yards and a touchdown. That's a good defense. And then the next week, he went against the Rams. And, you know, another good defense, only 225 yards and one touchdown. And then they finished up against San Francisco. I know they had a lot of injuries. But I think they played some tough defenses at the end of the year also. The other thing I'm looking for this year, Jerry, is that I think we see another step from DK Metcalf. And I already love Lockett, but I think Metcalf can can improve even more, which I think gives Russell a little more upside. All right, let's, let me ask you that question, though. How much more? Because we see him over-exceed expectations on the regular. At which point does it cap, and then you start seeing regression back to the mean, back to what he's supposed to be. And I'm not going to say supposed to be because he's over obviously overachieved he's going to be overachiever as far as where he was and what people thought of not i mean the people thought this was who he's going to be many thought that he didn't have a, an extended route tree because he was so big that he wouldn't be able to make the cuts and do these kind of moves uh, he's shown that he can do that and more he can he can be a possession receiver or a deep ball guy he's shown all of that he's shown that he's going to go out there and and blindside somebody on a block just to show that hey we're not about this how much more can he improve though like what's the ceiling here because he's already fantastic I mean, to me, he's got T.O. written all over him. I mean, he's 6'4", 235, and he can run like the wind. You know, like, they don't make too many football players that are built like this guy. You, you know? remember the first time you ever saw his picture, like, right before the draft? Yes. And, and you know, that picture with his shirt off, and he's sitting next to two guys, in the, and, and you thought, that's a fake picture. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. that? That's the first thing that came to my mind. That's a fake picture. Who is, and then once you started reading into it, you thought, man— uh, that'd be cool to have a guy like that. He he's got straight line speed. He could he can sprint, but that guy can't turn. He can't just get in and out of cuts. Well, we he saw him, we saw him chop people up last season. He was leaving guys. Remember, he was breaking ankles without the ball and then just getting deep bombs. I mean, he can run every route. There's nothing that he can't do. Let's see what kind of a step he can take forward. Because man, if he takes any of a step forward, that puts him in contention to be a top receiver in the league. It does. And, and let me look at him and AJ Brown when. The, both of those guys came out of Old Miss together. They're both two of the best receivers in the NFL. If you could pick one right now as a GM going Ooh. forward, are you taking A.J. Brown? Are you taking D.K. Metcalf? 713-780-3776. Who are you taking right now? Not just in, in, in real life, but in fantasy as well. Yeah, in fantasy, I, you know, I'm, I, I might lean towards A.J. Brown a little bit, but as it's just like a player. I, I think D.K., he just, he's built like Megatron, but he's – like, even stronger. I mean, the guy's incredible. I wonder with A.J. Brown, do you think Julio Jones being on the other side, does that does that help A.J. Brown to where he'll see less double coverage, or does that mean he's got to share the ball with another great receiver? you got to start thinking about the, all the two good uh, double wide receiver tandems on teams. Mm-hmm. How often has it worked? How often has it not? How, how much does it take away from the other player? Many teams have tried it. I mean, you've seen the Steelers be able to spread the ball out. Yeah. But then their run game has fallen off as of late whenever that's happened. The, the old Steelers of late, let's run the ball and play the, slowly and surely. They've, they've, kept, they've always had receivers. Let's not get that twisted. But they have many, many receivers. They, they have to worry about their third guy or they always have a, a, a mid-pack tight end that you still get the ball to a few times. 
What do you do, though, whenever you have a workhorse like Derrick Henry? And as far as if you're in ownership and and for the Titans, you start thinking, man, how many more years do I have of this guy trucking like this? Mm -hmm. I got to get I got to get my money's worth now. At which point do you he's gotten paid? Yeah, he's got to earn that money. Not saying that he doesn't. They're going to make sure they get those miles out of those legs. They are. I think it's interesting that they made the deal for Julio now. I, I think it tells you the Titans are all in for this year. I think they they think maybe Derrick Henry has one or two more, you know, elite seasons left in him. So they're trying to cash in now. Great point. That, that, you know, this is it. This is it for them. And you know, we were talking about AJ Brown and, and Julio, and we did see Calvin Ridley play opposite Julio last year and have an amazing breakout season. I know Julio missed some time with injury, but. We do know from that model that there can be a receiver opposite of Julio Jones that lights it up in fantasy football. And Julio, you started seeing that one thing that we know about Julio, he doesn't even he doesn't get in the end zone much. No. Remember, he gets yards, and then for whatever reason, how many times did he get tackled inside the five? Yeah. But then he breaks the 60, 70 yard, and then he runs out of bounds, and then all of a sudden he comes up like with a little toe injury. You, yep. you, you see him just kind of hobble off, and you're thinking, oh, gosh, no. But then he comes back in on the next series. And that's the problem because every week he's on the the uh, injury list, and then you don't know he doesn't practice all week, but then he's there on game day. So he'll be there. He's going to get his double-digit targets on the regular, but what do the Titans need him to be? Is it a step back what the Falcons need him to be? Because there he needed to be the leader, and yeah. it was like Calvin Ridley was two, right, or whoever else. Is it completely different scenario now on the Titans? Do the Titans think, hey, we just need you to be two now, Browns won, and we got a running back. We need you decoy slash slash superstar in some games, but that's our star. That's our young guy. Teach him. Yeah, no, I, the run game is so big with them. Like Atlanta couldn't run the ball like the Titans could. So I think I think Julio's actually going to have a really nice year if he stays healthy. But you brought up that point with him limping off. There should be a fantasy stat for how many times a guy like – gets up limping off the field. You know what I mean? Like Julio would, I think, lead a lot of receivers in limping off the field because you see that a lot, and that worries you as a a fantasy manager. Like, you know, is this guy going to make it through the game? You know, every other series, he can barely walk. Matt Breida's on line one, and he goes to take over that. Yes. You're listening to Moneyline here, 713-780-3776. We want to hear from you if you have any fantasy drafts. If you want to smack talk, if you want to say, Jerry, your picks just suck. The phone lines are open for you. This is Moneyline ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97 5 You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. We're jamming on a Sunday morning. Shout out to everyone hanging out on Twitch. I see my man Big Boss, Big Boss Marshall's in the house. Jermaine Avery's in the house. Lamont says he's going to pull up. A, he's going to draft Tim Tebow. Let's do this. <laughs> the Tim Tebow for for comeback player of the year. Rip up those tickets. Um, I know the a lot of uh, speculation said that he had to be active week one, which the dream is dead. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, if you're still chasing your NFL dream at his age after, what, he sit out like 10 years or something like that, like he had every opportunity in the world, it was just time to move on, man. I, I know a lot of people like to, you know, bag on Tebow, and, and I get it. I'm kind of one of those people. But, 
you're gonna get struck by lightning. Yeah, I know, right? I'm just like, he's actually good as a college football analyst. So I'm just like, Tim, go do that. You know, go go do that. That's a great opportunity. You know, go do television. Tim Tebow, the next host of Jeopardy. Who says no? You saw Roger said he would have taken the gig if they offered it to him. I thought that was interesting. I did too. But, yeah. And then I read a little more and he said, well, if they could have figured out, like at the very end, if they could have figured out around my football schedule. It's just scary, man, for someone like Rodgers. Uh, when you think about a quarterback of that na- you know, of that stature, uh, at, on, almost on the Mount Rushmore, let's say, some people have him close to there. Yeah. Man, to think back how it ended, like just mentally – you not you don't think of Manning like this. You think of Manning like they turned the back their back on him, and he ended up going to another place and and breaking touchdown record and winning a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. That's how you remember. You'll remember Brady as as going to another team and saying, you know what, I don't need Belichick, and, and we'll just start getting people to we'll, we'll go get Gronk out. We'll we'll take a chance on Antonio Brown, and I'm going to win again. That's what we're going to remember at Brady. But with Rodgers, are we going to remember? Man, this dude was holding out like he was talking about Jeopardy. Like, is that how we're going to remember things? I think this year is going to tell us a lot, right? Like, what if you he know? comes out and sucks? Like, and I know sucks for a Rodgers level. We're talking about on well, what's bad for Rodgers? Just a lot more interceptions. Last year, he he. That's what was crazy. His touchdown interception ratio was ridiculous. He was efficient. That's why he's MVP. But do you ever see an MVP be so disgruntled? Well, I mean, he only has to regress to one season before. Like, just keep this in mind. Last year with the Packers, incredible, right? 48 touchdowns to five interceptions. 48 to five. Think about That's that. That's amazing. 48 to five. To throw 48 touchdowns, you have to take a lot of chances. You're yes. gambling out there, right? You're throwing balls, you're, you're, and you only throw five interceptions? Yes, and he wins MVP. But you go back one year before that, 26 to four. Like, that's still a great ratio, but 26 touchdowns compared to 48? And then the year before that for Rodgers. And by the way, he played 16 games in both these seasons. 2018, 25 touchdowns to two interceptions. So the interceptions are always great. But, you know, 25 touchdowns, then the next year 26 touchdowns, and then the next year 48? I mean, is it realistic to expect him to to do that again? I almost think he'll regress maybe to somewhere in between. You know, maybe he throws like 32 touchdowns this year or something like that. Well, let's get back to the quarterback tiers. We'll start right there because – we got off the list, Mahomes, Allen, Kyler Murray, Jackson, Prescott, Wilson. Now you have that next tier. Where's Rodgers? Do you still have him with those guys that we named? Or many are grouping him now with the Herbert Tom Brady's of the world. That's where I have him hovering around the top 10. So I I, I think uh, the, the, the rankings I'm looking at here have him at 11. And he's in that little tier with Brady and Stafford and then Burrow at 13, who I know you like. You drafted him uh, in our fantasy draft the other day. So th- they have Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Stafford. Notice they're all kind of similar, right? They don't run. You know, the, you're counting on them throwing the ball to get you points. Say Burrow lightly, though, like that I like him because I just took a chance. You know, yeah. he's like chitlins. They taste good, but... But they smell nasty. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. He's the chitlin pick of the year. You saw some value there, so you took a flyer. I said, you know what? I know it smells funny, but everyone else is eating around the table. You take a bite. And and I'm it, really hungry. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. I got caught in the chitlins. Yeah. Um, that's what happened with Burrow. It's got high upside. It, it keeps you full. It'll fill up the stat sheet. But I'm not proud of it. No? So you, you, 
you'll be looking at the waiver wire, maybe kind of looking at quarterback a little bit. I'm going to play it by ear right now because he does have weapons. I, yeah. I do see Jamar Chase is dropping balls after ball, which you don't like to see that because that's a mental game, dropping balls. You know these guys, they catch them in their sleep. They so do. whenever when you when you move to that next level and you're dropping it, that becomes a mental thing. Let's hope that we saw it with Deontay Johnson last year. Let's keep talking quarterbacks because some are moving Jalen Hurts into that into that region, I guess, because his ability to, uh, with his legs, and I guess we do have to account for that because in, in the fantasy world, yes, you're going to get points at one point usually for every 10 rushing yards, which is going to add up. But do you have him quite there? Do, does his legs and, and, and his lack of weapons, though, does, does that all equal out to a, a Rodgers or a Herbert? I've got him in front of those guys. Okay, and it, tell me why. I, that's I'm interested. Do you remember when Lamar Jackson a few years ago had that terrible playoff performance and i think it was it was in baltimore and remember the fans were booing him and and not until the second half did he come out and even kind of look decent right remember the next year he he set the fantasy football world on fire with his legs i think we could see something similar with hurts this year I, i think we could see you know everybody's like oh he doesn't throw the ball that great and they're gonna have all these you know comments about him and criticisms but i think he's going to come out and use his legs and get you a lot of fantasy points i'm not saying he, he you know that he, he's going to be an mvp candidate like lamar and the eagles are going to win the division but i think for your fantasy team i think jalen hurts is going to help you and you can get a good value on him let me tell you why i agree with you N- nice all right because they're going to be in a lot of bad game scripts they're going to be down by a lot of points many times yeah. that defense is going to get a lot of points so what happens when the defense plays prevent they're going to let that quarterback run yep and he doesn't have many weapons and he's not a very good let's go through all my reads quarterback so what's going to happen when they're down double digits the other team's just playing they blitz you know they pin their ears back the defense goes back so they don't get beat over the top and there's a bunch of space in the middle what's going to happen with hurts he's going to start tucking that ball and going to run he's going to get you 10 yards Eight yards. Yep. He's going to get. That's what's going to happen. Now that you think something just went off in my head, like yeah. you know what? There's going to be a lot of dirty touch, uh, a dirt, dirty stats. You know what I mean? That you're like, man, they lost by a lot, but he still had like 90 yards rushing. Exactly. He had 75, but only threw for 220. That's cool. He still had two touchdowns, one rushing. It all adds up. It's not pretty, and that's what not pretty gets you value. And Devontae Smith, I, I think if he's healthy, he's a great player, man. Like they'll get something out of him. And they have no choice but to score or or to chase the the box the score with a defense like that. They're yeah. going to be chasing scores a lot. They're in a division that's that they think it's beatable. Uh, the, the defenses are outside of the Washington Football Team. He's has opportunity, I think. And again, we're talking in the nature of football, uh, fantasy football. Many people are like these guys saying Jalen Hurts is about to be. Watson or whatever the case is. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for fantasy football, just think about the game script. If the Eagles are going to suck on defense specifically, right? That means that they're going to be down by a lot of points. The other teams are going to be able to play prevent defenses as long as we don't get beat over the top. That third, that third quarter, midway through the third quarter, Eagles down by 13. What happens with the other defense? They're like, man, let's play prevent. Let's let's just sit back. This we, we'll allow you five yards at a time, six yards at a time. As long as you don't, it takes you seven, eight minutes to score because you're down three scores. Whatever the case is, I think that's what's going to happen. And it's going to be ugly box scores, but for some reason, Hurts is going to be right there. I think he is too. I think he could be a poor man's Lamar Jackson this year. I really do. And I think you're right about the the scrambling thing. He's going to pick up so many first downs. Just, you know, like you said, grabbing eight yards, grabbing 10 yards, just picking up first downs, you know, late in games when they're chasing points. I, I just, I really like the value there. I'm, 
you rely so much when you just get a passing quarterback, you know, like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like, remember, like, we were joking about Tim Tebow, but he was actually usable in fantasy football, Jerry, as terrible as he was at throwing the ball. Didn't he have, like, one game where he had, like, one completion or something like that? You know, but it doesn't, in fantasy, if you run, and you and those rushing touchdowns, that's the other thing to consider. We need to talk about this. A guy like Jalen Hurts, he's more valuable in a four-point passing touchdown league. You know what I mean? Like, because he's going to run more, and, the, you know, it's those guys like Tom Brady that only get you four points in a four-point passing league, their value's lower. You know, you want those rushing touchdowns, and, and guys like, you know, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and, and even Josh Allen, they're going to get you those full six-point rushing touchdowns instead of just the four-point passing touchdown. That's a big advantage in a league with that scoring. There's something going on on our Twitch. The name Winston, Jameis Winston's oh. coming up, and how about – we're sticking to quarterbacks, and we're going to get to it on the other side as well. Who do you think ends up starting there? Week one, is it Winston? Is it is it Hill? I think it's Hill. I, I think Sean Payton likes him. He gave him all that money. We're going to get to that on the other side. We're going to give you some odds. I'm going to get, try to give you another winner because Chelsea is up 1-0. Isn't that crazy? And I'm going to give you another winner, and we're going to put more money in your pocket. This is Moneyline ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. I assumed you knew 